Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Dak Prescott suffered a gruesome season-ending injury. He's a first-class guy. He conducts himself in the appropriate way. This was a trash matchup. The scoreboard is not reflective of how close the Astros are to being on the verge of bursting this series wide open. I am a Dodgers Cowboys fan, like Chilla Bill. I think the Cowboys will be in pretty good shape with Andy Dodgers. How long will it take since you don't have first and second round draft picks? None better ever than Joe Morgan. In my deepest, darkest nightmares, The villain looks like her. I'm better than that, but I'm not. But I should be. If you wanted to disregard the health and safety of 99,000 folks to win a football game, are you serious? We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two... And once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Mama, there goes that man. You Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. It's our Thursday show, y'all, and we welcome you aboard for what should be a fun, fun ride. We have a great show for you, and I'm going to run down what you are going to hear this time out. But first and foremost, want to remind you guys of a couple of things. You can go to the WadesWordProductions.com website, subscribe to the email list so you can stay connected with us whenever we do what we do and uh, what we have planned for the future and maybe how you can get some swag, all of that kind of stuff. Subscribe, WadesWordProductions.com. Look around, get to know me and the crew a little bit better. I'm sure you'll be better for the effort. Also, <laughs> also you can reach out and touch us 24 hours a day on the Sports Talk Sports Line. That's 832. 832- Two nine four one six six one four eight three two nine four one six six one four. You can leave a message twenty four hours a day with a question, comment, request, anything on the sports line, and we'll try to get it on the next podcast. In addition to that, you can follow me on all social media at Twitter on Twitter at Wade's Word. W-A-D-E-S-W-O-R-D and of course the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group. The group is most important the group on Facebook so those are all the ways. I'm on Instagram but I don't post very much on Instagram D-Wade909 is what it is but this time out we have Butch Alsander back in the building and we're going to talk some Astros, some Rockets some Texans with him a little bit later on but we have some headlines coming up for you we have a Why We Kneel. That's a segment that we run on Thursdays and Kalina has done that for us and uh, of course George Floyd's birthday was yesterday so we are going to rerun the George Floyd Why We Kneel if you hadn't had a chance to hear that or hear that segment that's coming up then I'm going to tell you who's going to have a good day over the weekend and uh, that's my way of saying who you might want to well I'm not going to say bet on but who you want to uh, keep an eye on, both teams and players. So that's coming up. Then we'll take a time out here from our sponsor, CoBank Homes, and our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy, on the mix. And then, of course, we'll have that conversation with Butch. And then we'll have a Lamont Award for the big dummy of the episode and before I let go. So all that's coming up, and it's going to be a whole lot of fun. You have a lot to look forward to. But right now, let's get into some headlines. 
ESPN headlines. So much to talk about. We can talk about basketball. We can talk about football. We can talk about COVID. We can talk about baseball. Where do you guys want to start? Well, let's start with baseball. And I'm telling you, I am all about the Astros. Keeping an eye on Game 5 as the Astros play this afternoon, trying to extend this series against the Tampa Bay Rays. They are down three games to one. And, man, I was all, I was on the edge of my seat last night hoping that they would pull off Game 4. And they uh, pull out Game 4, and they did. And uh, they were able to pull that one out 4-3. to three. It Went down. It got a little, a little scary there in the ninth inning. But they avoided the sweep, and right now, uh, tied 1-1. So we're going to keep our fingers crossed. We have pitchers that are, I don't know, they just came off the bus from Corpus Christi (laughs) to play for the Astros, and I'm sure the Rays are in the same predicament, as these games are played consecutive. So what does that mean? That means that you have to alter the schedule of your starters. That means that while in a normal playoff series, they can be on short rest, you can't go on three days. Most guys are not going to go on three days rest. That's just too little rest for your starters, especially when you talk about a guy like Framber Valdez. And I'll tell you what, man, if they can get through game five, they have Valdez going in game six and McCullers going in game seven, and you have to start feeling like, man, the Astros might be able to get this thing done. So I'm really uh, keeping an eye out for the Astros. I'm excited about them, and I think that I am so passionate about them because you guys from around the country have been coming for my Astros. And I have not been this big of a fan of a Houston team. And I'm a native Houstonian, but I have not been so on board with the team. I mean, obviously during that World Series run. But I am really, really rooting hard where I have, I'm emotionally engaged and invested. And, you know, I'm up when they win, when they win or when they're winning. And I'm, I'm you know, I'm kind of down when they're not doing well but people look i can say anything i want about the houston teams you know we could talk about our own but when the whole country turns against us especially at a disproportionate rate where okay you're not gonna be mad at the yankees and the red sox for all the stuff that they've done and and act like oh only the astros and then they want to act like every single thing was tainted and it's not because 2019 they just went to the world series to game seven and they almost pulled that one out Except A.J. Hinch kind of choked that one away a little bit. But that being said, go Astros, go Astros. We'll talk a lot of Astros with Butch Alsander coming up a little bit later in the podcast. You definitely, if you're a baseball fan, you're definitely going to want to hear from Butch and uh, that conversation. Now, also breaking news, Daryl Morey steps down as the general manager of the Houston Rockets. So in the course of nine months, we've lost the coaches and general managers for all three major teams here in the city of Houston. So Moray will be replaced by Rafael Stone, and it's going to be interesting to see what they do at head coach because Tyron Lue, Tyron Lue, has, uh, Ty Lue has stayed with the uh, Los Angeles Clippers. Now, that sort of is an indication that they felt like they just needed to make a change to shake things up because you couldn't make personnel changes. And that's why they got rid of Doc Rivers, but they kept somebody on his staff. So let's see. I guess they wanted continuity there. So we'll have to follow that situation. And the thing about Daryl Morey is I think that he will get unfairly criticized. He really will. I think he'll be unfairly criticized, but he kept this team relevant. I mean, no other team, with the exception of the San Antonio Spurs, had more wins in the 13 years he was general manager than the Houston Rockets. 
So he kept them relevant. He made moves. Sometimes he made too many moves. Sometimes, to me, maybe they're committed to committed to James Harden. But he is the face of analytics. And a lot of people really, he became the black sheep of the NBA with his comments defending Hong Kong when mainland China was not having it. And that has cost the NBA billions of dollars because they just took them off and they just cut them off. Because how dare you say something against the Chinese that may even be perceived as against the Chinese government. Uh, and, and I'm glad to the credit of the NBA and to F Tillman Fertitta, the owner, he didn't make a move there when he could have. He could have said, you know what, you're costing this French because it really costs. Look, chi in China, the Rockets were the most popular team because of Yao Ming. And that cost this franchise a, a lot of relationships and all of that. And Tim and Fertitta could have said, hey, man, you know what? You cost me money. You're not worth it. You're out of here. But instead, he rolled with him. And, and I'm glad. That shows some integrity. That shows some patriotism. You don't let somebody run your team from China. But again, they got in bed with all that Chinese money, and they started counting on it. And as soon as somebody said something, even it wasn't even that bad. But they went after him. And Daryl Moore has been really in the doghouse with everybody. You haven't really seen him much. He has been quiet as the, as the uh, as they come as it pertains to anything other than oh, I guess a few look I don't I just don't see him very often. So they put the gag uh, order on him big time. So that's happening. In college football. <laughs> Man, COVID. COVID is winning 2020, okay? They're not undefeated, but they're winning. They're clearly winning 2020. Got Nick Saban. Nick Saban tested positive for COVID. Right now, the game against Georgia is still scheduled. He'll be coaching from home, and he will not. He's he banished himself from the facility. He's not allowed to be at the facility, and he will coach from home. And I guess he'll have a cell phone, and he'll have HDTV, and he'll make his decisions based on that. He may have a a phone line directly to the producers of the football game, so he can get the angles that he wants. But nonetheless, you have to believe. Look. A football coach's life, especially a guy like him, it's not like he's going to kick it. I mean, it's generally the office and home. And to, for the most part, you're basically at work around your coaches and around your players. So I have to believe. So far, he's the only one to test positive. I don't think he got it from his local watering hole. I think he got it from somebody somewhere on the team, somebody in contact with the team. Because it's not like, again, he's not gallivanting around uh, Birmingham or Tuscaloosa or whatever. So if he got it, others may have it. And we'll find out sooner rather than later. Made a big deal out of the big dummy of the last episode, Dan Mullen. That game has been postponed now. And I said they, they were supposed to play Georgia. They're not supposed to play Georgia. They're supposed to play somebody else. I forget who it is. But that game is postponed. <laughs> so after you want 99000 you can't even show up for your own party. So if you haven't heard that, Lamont Award, please go back and check that one out. In the NFL, Atlanta, the Atlanta Falcons, boy, it just gets worse and worse and worse for Atlanta. Man, they still have the blues for real because someone tested positive on the Atlanta Falcons. So their facilities are closed for the week. So far, the game is still on. But COVID again, again, there's no Thursday night football because of COVID. That's going on. And finally, in the NFL, Le'Veon Bell was cut. So Le'Veon Bell, after holding out, 
and just really throwing a mini fit. Wouldn't, didn't want to play for Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh tried to give him a good deal. He sacrificed one year. And everybody said, oh, yeah, he did the right thing. Yeah, go Le'Veon, do that. He'll never recoup that money that he lost. And he ended up signing with the New York Jets team where he's not rushed for 100 yards. He has not rushed for – he made a bunch of money. But he would have made a bunch of money in Pittsburgh. And so now you're a journeyman. Maybe you still have something left, but the perception is you are one foot out of the NFL. And so that's what I'm saying about these guys. You can make business decisions and, and, and stand the high ground, but a lot of times, man, you are going to lose. And, and maybe – and I don't even care that he lost because if, if, I'm big on principle. If it's the principle, if you're big on the principle, but at some point when the money gets so high, you have to make wise decisions. And you didn't make a good decision – career-wise because you didn't put yourself in a situation where you can continue to thrive and make more money. So now I think he's owed $6 million, $7 million this year, and he'll get that, and he'll probably get another couple hundred thousand on top of that by signing as a free agent. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he'll get a lot of money from either the Chiefs, the Dolphins, or the Bills. All three of those teams are looking at him as he's released from the Jets. But he, you talk about a guy, a couple guys, that ruined their careers after they left under the shelter of Mike Tomlin, Antonio Brown, and Le'Veon Bell. And if, had Le'Veon Bell stayed, man, life could have been a lot different for Pittsburgh. It, it could have been a lot different for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Instead, he left. It didn't help the Steelers, although they're rolling this year, 4-0. But it certainly didn't help his career. And we'll have to see what he has left and where he lands. Maybe he has a lot more left, but only seven touchdowns. I think is the number. No 100-yard game. This Le'Veon Bell, he was a premier back. He was one of the top one or two backs in the entire NFL. And now he's nameless and faceless. Not quite, but he's not what he was. And I hate it because Mike Tomlin, now he gets more and more credit for dealing with these personalities and making this team a success. So kudos to Mike Tomlin. And these guys continue to uh, show him that he he's the man. So with that, let's get into a segment that we call Why We Kneel. Why We Kneel is a segment that we have done to pay homage to those who have been victims of police brutality and of racial injustice. Uh, we started with, uh, years years ago, a few years ago, we started uh, when we talked about, uh, and this is Kalina. This was Kalina's idea from the special teams unit. Started because of the Colin Kaepernick protests and all the heat that he was catching and people really not understanding why he was doing what he was doing and putting names and faces with the cause. And we resumed that this year and we started with George Floyd. It was his birthday yesterday. And in remembrance of his birthday, we'll run the Why We Know segment about George Floyd here today. Feeling the chilling moments that led to a police officer wow. shooting wow. me. Ultimately, wow. it's to bring Please, awareness and make people... Colin Kaepernick kneeling to protest social injustice and police get, get unsigned by any say, NFL team. He's fired. He's fired! Why we kneel. On May 25th, 2020, George Floyd went to his regular grocery store to buy cigarettes. The store attendant believed that the $20 bill Floyd gave was a counterfeit and demanded Floyd return the cigarettes. He refused. The attendant called the police about the money and the incident, describing Floyd as appearing, quote, drunk and, quote, not in control of himself. Two officers arrived and ordered Floyd to get out of the car. 
Once Mr. Floyd exited the car, they arrested him and attempted to place him in their police car. After telling the officers that he was, quote, claustrophobic, Officer Derek Chauvin arrived on the scene and attempted to assist in putting Floyd in the car. Officer Chauvin pulled Floyd from the passenger side of the police car. Floyd fell face down on the ground. It was here Officer Chauvin placed his left knee on the neck of George Floyd for seven minutes and 46 seconds. Six minutes into this restraint, Floyd became unresponsive. A pulse was checked for and not found. He was taken to a medical center and pronounced dead an hour later. On June 3rd, Officer Derek Chauvin was charged with second-degree murder, and the other three officers on the scene were charged with aiding and abetting second-degree murder. George Floyd's death has reignited something in our country. The years of apathy, exhaustion, hopelessness, and cynicism have manifested into renewed actions for change. We've seen hundreds of thousands protest, some for months, strikes, boycotts, the resurgence of the phrase Black Lives Matter in the mainstream, everywhere from blackout days on social media to professional sports. And years after Colin Kaepernick, we kneel again. This NFL season, Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast will celebrate the life, mourn the death, and demand justice for African-American men and women who have been injured or killed because of police negligence and brutality. George Floyd was a father, described as a gentle spirit who loved people and exceedingly generous. He was 46 years old, and he is why we kneel. To have your comments heard, call 832-941-6614. For more content, go to Wade'sWordProductions.com. I want to thank Kalina for the Why We Kneel segment. And if you have some comments or suggestions or any feedback on that segment, hit us up, 832-941-6614. That's 832-941-6614. Well, now it's time to look forward to this weekend on a segment that we call a good day. And this is where I tell you who's going to have a good day, which which teams, which players are going to have a good day, and you can respond accordingly. I, I'm not, it's not a gambling thing because I don't even talk about the lines. But maybe on the fantasy side, maybe some guys you may want to look at. Now, before I tell you who's going to have a good day this week, let's talk about what happened last week. So last week, I picked the Lakers to win in five. Well, they won in six. So I'll give myself a half point for that one. I also said that the New Orleans Saints would beat the Los Angeles Chargers. They did in dramatic fashion in overtime, but they got it done, so I get a point for that. Texans over Jacksonville, got, get a point for that. The uh, Rams over the Washington uh, football team, got a point for that. That was not I mean, that, that wasn't a stretch, other than the fact that they went by coastal to beat up on the Washington football team. And my upset special, I got that one wrong. I picked the Colts over the Cleveland Browns and Phillip Rivers. The Los Angeles Chargers, uh, that era, is reared as ugly head again in Indianapolis as he's turning over the football again, costing his team games. So for the week, I was three and a half and one and a half. So for the season overall, I am 15 and a half and four and a half. And I'm two and two in my upset specials. Now, for the players, last week I said LeBron will be the MVP. Check. Got that one right. 
Robbie Anderson, I said he'd have a good day. He did. Eight receptions, 112 yards, a good day. Ezekiel Elliott, I said he would have a good day. He did. 19 carries, 91 yards, two touchdowns. I get a point for that. The Steelers defense, now this is where it gets a little bit muddled. They allowed 29 points, but they did have five sacks and two interceptions. So I'm going to give myself a half point. You can dispute that if you want, but I'll give myself a half point on the Steelers' defense. Not good allowing that many points to the Philadelphia Eagles' offense. So I'll give myself, like I said, a half point. And finally, DeAndre Hopkins. I said he would have a good day. He did. Six catches, 131 yards, and a touchdown. So for the week, I have four and a half right and a half wrong. So for the season, that gives me 13 right on players and six wrong. But that was last week. And that's sort of what I've been doing all season long. But who's going to have a good day? If you want to talk about teams that are going to have a good day in the game of the week, the 4-0 Pittsburgh Steelers take on the 4-1 Cleveland Browns. I'm telling you what, Big Ben and company are going to have a good day, and they will smack down the Cleveland Browns. The Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson, and that running game will get going versus Philadelphia, and the Ravens will have a good day. In the senior circuit, when you talk about the, the elderly quarterbacks of the NFL, Aaron Rodgers takes on Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm telling you what, Aaron Rodgers is rolling and the Packers are going to have a good day. The Carolina Panthers, hey, we don't talk enough about them, but Teddy Bridgewater and that team is rolling. They host the Chicago Bears in what should be a really interesting game. I think Carolina comes out on top. They'll have a good day. And for my upset special, the Houston Texans will beat the Tennessee Titans on a short week. I'm telling you, they played on a Tuesday and they have to turn around and play the Texans on Sunday. I'm taking the Texans on a short week. If you're going to talk about players who are going to have a good day, wait, Derrick Henry's going to get his versus the Texans. I still think they're going to lose, but Derrick Henry will have a good day. Kyler Murray will dissect that Dallas Cowboys defense like everybody else. He will have a good day. Adam Thielen of the Minnesota Vikings. Man, Atlanta, they can't catch a break. If that game takes place at all, Adam Thielen will have a good day. Aaron Donald and the Los Angeles Rams take on the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers couldn't protect themselves versus Miami. They certainly can against Aaron Donald and those Rams defenders. They'll have a good day. And finally, Joe Flacco, for the first time in a long time, he'll get the nod as the starting quarterback versus the Miami Dolphins. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say that Joe Flacco is going to have a good day. All those players, all those teams bet on them. Well, maybe. <laughs> They'll have a good day. With that, going to take a time out and hear a word from our sponsor, Cobank Homes, and a mix from our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. And on the other side, a conversation with our guy, Butch Allsander, and Ulamon Award. And before I let go, and a whole lot 
more. This is Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. of our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy, on the mix. And if you want your music heard on the podcast, just uh, hit us up. Music at wadeswordproductions.com. That's music at wadeswordproductions.com. The genre doesn't matter. And we'll play uh, a snippet at the halfway point and an extended portion of a mix or an entire song at the end of the podcast. So, hey, hit us up. If you have a local band, if you know local musicians or anybody who wants to have their music heard, uh, hit us up. Let us know. Music at wadeswordproductions.com. Well, right now, I want to get into to a conversation we had a little bit earlier with Butch Allsander, formerly of KHOU. He does stuff now with Root Sports, and he does swag football. He's the pre- and post-game shows for both the Astros and the Rockets from time to time. He's all over the place. He's a man about town and a respected member of the Houston media. It's our guy, Butch Allsander. How are you this afternoon? Hey, doing good, Devin. How are you? Man, I am good. I have, I had a nerve-wracking ninth inning last night for the Houston Astros. And, man, I'm telling you, I've not been this emotionally invested in the Astros in a while. I mean, I don't know why. I, I guess because this time, the sort of the villains, people around the country still vilify the Astros, and it feels more like it's us against the world, us as Astros fans. How are you feeling about the Astros these days? Well, I, I felt like when Presley came into the game last night, I had black hair, and by the time he left, it was silver. I mean, it's just, he just, like you said, you can't even sit still watching it because 
if you know he's going to get two outs and then, uh-oh, then you just hold on to your chair because things are going to get rocky. But, uh, you know, I, I, I'm like you. I, I've enjoyed watching them this year. And after the regular season they had, you know, I, I didn't expect much. You know, I'll be honest with you, especially I didn't expect much at all. And then they got in the playoffs and they got a couple of guys back. And, they, of course, they didn't get everybody back because if they had Jordan, this would be a different series. Just imagine a healthy Verlander and Jordan and Osuna in the bullpen. Then you got, you're talking about quite a team. But what, what they did against Minnesota and then against Oakland I thought was fantastic. I mean, I just nobody expected that. They got great pitching. They hit the ball really well against Oakland. I mean, they became a force. And they've actually played well enough to be leading in this series. And it's kind of a shame that they're not. Because the Rays, I'm not taking anything against the Rays. They played fantastic defense. They've had good pitching. They've been very opportunistic. But if you look at this series, I told someone the other day, I did another interview, a radio interview, and I said, this series with the Rays, reminds me of when the Astros were in the World Series in 2005. Because the Astros, people forget against the White Sox in the World Series. The Astros could have won all four of those games. They were right there in all four of those games. It just turned out because of a turn here, a drop ball here, a problem here, they get swept. And nobody ever remembers that, but they were in every last one of those games and they had a chance to win it. And up until last night, that's what this series versus the Rays looked like to me. Yeah, he left 31 on base. I mean, the starting pitching ERA is better. Their on-base percentage is better by far. I mean, so many statistics lean in the in the category uh, of the Astros in hits. I mean, they have put hits together. They're just not not timely hits. And, and of course, we know about the errors by Altuve that really have kind of made the difference in this series. He turned it around yesterday. What were your thoughts? You watched him, and you've watched the Astros closer to most people in this market. What is your take on what you saw with uh, Altuve as it pertains to the, the fielding errors? That's the biggest story of the ALCS, Jose Altuve. I mean, who would have thought, you know, the former MVP coming in and having problems, picking up a ball and throwing it from second base to first base. But you mentioned how crucial it's been. You know, the first time he did it, I'm, I'm, I, you know, you watched him. You saw that. It was shocking to him. He couldn't believe he did it. The next guy comes up, hits a three-run home run, and the Astros go on to lose the game. So I, I got to think it was a mental thing because anybody that's ever been around Altuve, I mean, he he's a hard worker. He tries so hard. He wants to do so well. He, he's a professional as far as the way he works at his craft. And to not be able to execute like that at some point, it does get in your head. I mean, we saw it years ago with Chuck Knobloch and years before that. Steve Sachs. Uh, Steve, Steve Sachs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, Steve Sachs with, the, with, the, with Dodgers. And the thing about it, and I'm not saying that's where uh, uh, Altuve is because I don't think so. I mean, Dusty Baker, this is why I think they had the Astros made a good move bringing in Dusty Baker because this is where he excels. I mean, Dusty's like the grandfather everybody loves. You know, he's like – your grandfather that you loves to go see because he's going to let you eat candy all day. You saw that shot <laughs> show where he, he walks up and he puts his arm around Altuve and he said, man, it's going to be cool. It's going to be cool. And, and, and I agree with you. It was so important for him, not only to start the game off with the home run like he did last night, because he's been hitting the ball, but just to, just to get his confidence up. And then he had the double. And then to make that first play, man, that wasn't a, an easy play. He turned and went to second base with it, and everybody's holding their breath, and he got it down. But 
after to see a solid performance like last night, and you didn't see any hesitation on his part, you got to think about whatever was bothering him mentally with that throw is kind of gone now. We got to hope that it's gone and it's it's done with. And, yeah, uh, yeah, that's behind him. So even on that double play ball, he was a little bit more deliberate going in second because they weren't able to turn the double play, but at least it got there, and, and that was a relief. And then he had the the throw to second base, which was really uneventful. I mean, even looking at him in game three, it was just unbearable. You could see it on his face how disappointed he was and how. You could tell a lot was going on in his head because he just, you could see visibly that he was upset by the errors and he understood what those errors meant to the team's, uh, the, the outcome of that game. It was just like we couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe it either. And it was written all over his face. Yeah, yeah. And you talk about, I want to talk about starting pitching because one of the things that I keep saying about the Astros, they have gotten into this bullpen and this, they're playing seven days in a row. If it goes, how many ever days it goes, they're playing every day, no days off. And they got a chance to get deeper or see more pitches against that raised bullpen. And because the Astros starting pitching has been so well, they've had a little bit less exposure to the bullpen of the Astros. The starting pitching has been tremendous by the Astros. Do you think because the Astros have been able to see more pitches from the Tampa Bay bullpen that this means that they'll probably have opportunity to get at them and have more success? You, you would think so, and, and that's, of course, one of the more, more frustrating things about the series is the fact that because they've had that great starting pitching, they had so many opportunities. You know, they would be sitting in really good shape because obviously the Rays' bullpen has been a little more work than the Astros' bullpen has, but when you look at the job Rambo Valdez has done and then you look at Grinky last night, I mean, that was just – I mean, the, and then McCullers. McCullers deserved a lot better than he got, you know, in, in, in his outing. So – the starting pitching has been great, and I think it's helped to save the bullpen some. Last night, Dusty was pushing all the right buttons because when he went out there, everybody thought he was going to yank Grinky out of the game. And when he turned around and went back to the dugout, I mean, a guy like Grinky has been in the fire. I mean, he's seen it all. He's been around, you know, forever. He's done all this stuff. He's won a Cy Young. He's done all this stuff. For him in that situation, I mean, I would ride or die with him. I mean, I, I, I tell you that because if you look at the Astros – at the end of the regular season, one of the problems they had was giving up the lead late in ball games. They could not close out a ball game. I mean, it was it was very frustrating. And even now, we see Presley coming out of the bullpen, and he comes in there, and he looks sharp right away, and he'll get those first two outs, and then all of a sudden, there's some struggle. I mean, my good last night, that ball just about left the yard, man. That would almost we were almost looking at extra innings. Yeah. So I, I think you're right. That starting pitching has been so good. It's enabled Dusty Baker to rest that bullpen some. And hopefully now you can start putting some question marks on the side of the race. You know, now they all of a sudden they have some things to worry about because the Astros have had the great starting pitching. They just haven't had the timely hitting that they had in the first two series to go with that starting pitcher. Now, it's my contention that if they can get through today, and I, I, I've looked and I have not seen who the starting pitcher, the pitcher is for the Astros, the starter today, but if they can get through today, then tomorrow you have Valdez, and then McCullers will pitch game seven. I mean, I'm feeling very confident if they can get through today. What are your thoughts on what's going to happen today and even getting to a game six or game seven? Well, you know, when you're in a situation like the ALCS, that's when stars are born and you have these Cinderella stories, and, and that's what we're going to see today, man. 
They're going to bring out Luis Garcia, who until this year, and of course this COVID shortened season, a 60-game season, until this year, he had not pitched above the Class A level. Wow. And all of a sudden he jumps right into big league ball, and here he is on the biggest stage coming up in Game 5 of the ALCS. So there's going to be a lot on his shoulders for this. Needless to say, the guy's going to be nervous. But, you know, that's where it, it plays into the Astros' favor to have a veteran catcher like Maldonado, a guy who understands how to handle pitchers. And I'm sure he's going to lean, lean on Martin, the machete. He's going to lean on him and, and, and let him guide him through certain situations because, let's face it, he doesn't have the experience. And sometimes, Devin, that can be a good thing. You don't know enough to be nervous or you don't know enough to be scared of the situation because he's never been there before. So it's, it's a little different. It's a little different thing. And, and this whole season has taken some getting used to playing without fans and all. It's a different environment. So now you've got this young guy who's never pitched above Class A. He's out there for the first time. He's going against John Curtis, who, who's had some success for the Rays. And it'll be interesting to see, but I... I, I you know what? In this situation, uh, Dusty's pushed, pushed all the right buttons with his pitchers. Man, it, wouldn't it be a great, great story if this young guy, this rookie, can step up in this situation and win a crucial game for the Astros? How many innings do they need from him? Obviously, you you pray for a complete game, but and you want him to get six, seven innings in. But at the very minimum, how many do they need? Because you can bring back Javier, who pitched last night. Paredes, you have guys in that bullpen. But how many can get the Astros in a position to win this game? How many innings from, from Garcia today? I think they'd be overjoyed if he could pitch four innings, four innings of maybe one run ball. I mean, that would be, I mean, that would be a godsend. I, I think that Dusty would be very, very happy with that. You know, imagine if this guy went into the sixth inning, if he could somehow manage to do something to get on into the sixth. I think the Astros would be really happy with that. But when you're facing elimination this afternoon like this, if he struggles early, they're going to pull him early. You know, you got no tomorrow after this. So you use everybody. You can use everybody out there that you can possibly do that to try to stave off this elimination game. Yeah, I want to ask you, I want to ask some uh, Rockets questions, but I want to ask you about the passing of Joe Morgan. I mean, a great for this organization, although he's associated with the Big Red Machine, had two stints here in Houston and really gives the Houston Astros organization all the credit for developing him as a player. What are your thoughts on the loss of, of Joe Morgan and what memories do you have of him on the and off the field? Well, I have a lot of memories of Joe Morgan because as you know, Devin, I grew up in Louisiana, so I grew up listening to the Astros on the radio because you, back then, the only time you could see them on TV, Channel 39 would have a road game every once in a while, but for the most part, you had to listen to them on the radio. And, and I remember the, those guys with Lowell Pass and Gene Elston doing the call on the radio and listening to guys like Joe Morgan and Jim Wynn. And, and, and you know, it, it's such a great team. But, you see, for me personally, and not only did I – get to watch Joe growing up as a kid, but then to be in this profession and to see him as a broadcaster. I mean, Joe, Joe, people don't talk enough about that. He was an excellent color guy when he did the games with uh, Miller. Uh, I guess it was John Miller. Yep. John Miller. Mm -hmm. I, how could I forget? John Miller was in Baltimore when I was in Baltimore. And um, it's so funny, uh, you know, because he was a great, great player, super broadcaster, but he was even a better person. 
And, uh, you know, I met him once at, at Minute Maid and just, you know, just very impressive man. It's just, you know, a real gentleman. And that's the thing that's just so impressive about him. A guy like that, he can touch so many players. He touched so many players. He touches so many fans and, he, and people like us who do this as a profession also. So uh, it's a big loss for baseball, but I, I look at it as a, as a loss for all of us because he's meant so much to so many people. And over his 21-year stint of doing Sunday Night Baseball, and I mentioned this, he, he's my favorite color analyst of any sport. I would have to really think about it, but he is in the top, at least in the top two or three, if not my favorite color analyst in any sport. Because you can sit there, you know, nothing about the teams. Because, again, you know, we we are lead, usually league-oriented team. Or you watch the team in your market or you watch the teams in your, your league or your division. But you can watch a game from, you know, Toronto versus the Rays or something from back in the day. And it, it doesn't matter because he, he – teaches you so much he taught you so much about the game and he also has so many interesting stories he, he just taught me so much about the game of baseball and I, I just you know I've been missing him since he's been gone him, him along with Miller what a fantastic duo and uh, yeah Joe will be definitely missed I had a chance when they retired Jimmy Wynn's number now later on he got into the Astros Hall of Fame but when they retired his number I had a chance to talk to Joe Morgan about Jimmy Wynn and, and uh, that was my only opportunity to really talk to him but yeah just a, a great, great guy. Just, to, this, just to, to piggyback on what you're saying, though, and I think the reason why he was so good in the booth is because he made it seem like it was easy. And anybody that's ever been there knows that it's not the easiest thing in the world. You have to be prepared. But what he did, he brought all that knowledge you were talking about, but he did it in such a conversational way. It's almost like he was sitting on your sofa with you and you guys were watching the game yeah. and he was just explaining everything that was going on. And I agree with you. He and John Miller were an exceptional team. Just a quick story about when I was in uh, Baltimore, I worked at uh, WBAL-TV and uh, we had WBAL radio and we were all in the same building. John Miller worked for WBAL radio. So it, it was so funny and I, I would run into him every once in a while and then i come to Houston and... You know, I hadn't seen him. I'd been in Houston, I don't know, five or six years, whatever it was. It was it was a while, and I hadn't seen John in a while, and I only had met him a couple of times. So I'm in at Minute Maid Park, and I'm going to get in the elevator, and the elevator opens, and there's John Miller. And so I said, well, hey, John, I'm Butch. And he goes, come on, dude. We worked in the same building. I know who you are. And he's, <laughs> not, you know, and he's joking. You know what I mean? That's the kind of guy he was, and that's the kind of team they were together. I mean, they, they just... I enjoyed listening to them a lot. They were very good. Yeah, well, breaking news this afternoon as Daryl Morey steps down as the general manager of uh, the Houston Rockets. Man, it's sort of earth-shattering. And then you hear that uh, Ty Lue, Teron Lue, is going to be the head coach in Los Angeles. So I know a lot of folks in the uh, Rockets organization really were excited about their conversations with him. But he opted to take the Clippers job. And so now with no – well, we have a GM now. Raphael Stone takes over. But what do you think uh, about the, the Daryl Morey news of him stepping down? Well, first of all, man, what a time for change in Houston, Texas. If you go back to January, think about it. You got Hinch and Luno out with the Astros. You got D'Antoni and Maury out with the Rockets now. And then you got B.O.B. and B.O.B. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 Massive turnover. Yes, of the, of the three major teams. I don't know if that's ever happened before at, at one time like that. But, uh, no, I, I, you know, like everybody else, I, you know, I wasn't surprised. Daryl's had a nice run. 
with the Rockets, you know, he's been there 13 years. I mean, like back to 2007. And, you know, he's one of the smarter guys to ever do that, you know, and uh, never was gun shy about making a trade, about pulling, you know, pulling the trigger on the trade. In fact, I remember when Edelman was the coach, I mean, it, it, people behind the scenes that I knew on the staff that would tell me, man, it was, it was driving Edelman crazy because every time he felt like he had the team that he wanted and he started to make progress, they would take this piece out, put this piece in, take this piece out. But Daryl could just see things that other people couldn't see. He would have, he would see a way that I could bring in this guy and fuse this guy and we could do this and we got a better product. And I think that's what it was always about for him. What do I have to do to get a better product on the, on the court to try to win that championship in Houston? For better or worse, he's sort of the face of analytics. And I think if you want to have a criticism, like you said, I think the, the criticism that I would give him is the fact that he did tinker too much with the lineups. And, again, some of that was necessitated by, you know, players not – wanting to play for certain coaches or the chemistry on the team. But it just seems like like the, if you want to give a major criticism, it's that, yeah, maybe he did tinker and tamper with the team a little bit too much. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think the way things are set up, and it's not just the NBA, it's any sport, you know. Um, it's not like the old days, you know, where the coach just says, okay, you go out there, you play this position, you do this, you do this, and you do this. I mean, you have to have a little more, I don't want to use the word patience, but it's just a little, you're a little more political in the way you deal with players nowadays. I, I remember just to jump into another sports to give you a perfect example of it. Years ago, in the Ryder Cup, I guess it was Hal Sutton who pair, paired Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson together. And at the time, they pretty much hated each other. I mean, they weren't, they weren't it was, I don't think they won a match. It was horrible. I mean, they did horrible together. And of course, he unpaired them, but but that's what happened. You, you, you bring in these guys and trying to find the right combinations. But, I mean, when Daryl's case, we could talk about all the times when he did push the right buttons. He brought James Harden to Houston. He brought Chris Paul to Houston. He brought Russell Westbrook to Houston. So he had some big guys in that, that, that worked out really well for the Rockets. Yeah, the second winning his team, regular season team, uh, winning uh, the second winning this regular season team, if I can say it, over the 13-year span, only behind the San Antonio Spurs. Only the Spurs have more wins over the last 13 years in the regular season than the, than the Rockets. So, yeah, he, he was right there. I mean, and, and so you wonder, what what is this team? You locked in with Gordon, Harden, and Westbrook for a, a, at least a couple of years. What kind of wiggle room do they have as an organization to make this team better? Well, first of all, Devin, they, they have to decide. Now with Ty Lue going over to the Clippers, first of all, they got to decide, okay, do we want to go ahead and hire us a coach right now? Or do we want to wait and get a general manager first and let him have input on the coach? Now, according to the reports about Daryl, you know, resigning today, uh, he's supposed to act as an advisor for a short time and assist them with the head coaching search. But the problem with that is, like I said, does the chicken come before the egg? I mean, how, how do you do this? Because those two positions have to work in sync together. So, like I said, do you want to go ahead and hire that coach and then bring in the general manager? Well, you don't think Sloan is hire the GM? Yeah, you don't think Sloan is going to be the long term guy? Is he interim? I, no, uh, no, I, 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 I think I think he will. I think he will. And I guess what I should have said, I didn't word that correctly. What I should have said is, I guess he's going to be having valuable input into what kind of head coach is coming in and what kind of head coach do you go for the personnel 
Do you try to find the head coach to fit the personnel that you have because of what you just said? Because they've got three guys that are locked in because of their salaries that they probably won't go anywhere. So does Raphael have to say, this is our team? What's going to be the best fit for those guys? I mean, that's where they are right now. I mean, that's, that's kind of where they, where they are. And I was talking to someone else this morning. I apologize, man. I'm getting way behind myself. He would be only the, uh, the 10th black general manager. If I'm not mistaken, I need to check that. I shouldn't say that. But I think he'd be only the 10th black general manager in the NBA. So that, that's, that's quite a, you know, a coup for him. And, and, and he's been with the organization. He understands the organization. He knows their needs. You know, I think the guy's going to do a good job. Well, finally, I want to ask you what the about the upheaval on, on Kirby. <laughs> like you said, B.O.B., Bill O'Brien gone uh, as GM and, and head coach, and it was really abrupt. We know that there are other coaches that have struggled, and it took uh, Dan Quinn an extra week to get fired, and Gase is still ha- he, he still has a job. You have other teams that have, have not had uh, uh, success or even a win, and their coaches are still there. And yet the Texans are coming off of a playoff run where they won a playoff game. I mean, with a 0-4 start, despite that success in the postseason, you fire your coach and your GM in the middle of the season. I mean, obviously we hear, we hear the rumors about – the yelling match between Bill O'Brien and Anthony Weaver and J.J. Watt and Bill O'Brien. What are you hearing about that situation? How tumultuous was it behind the scenes? Well, I, I don't think that it – I think it got very tumultuous uh, quickly there because Bill O'Brien was in one of the weirdest situations. I don't know that I've ever seen another head coach in that situation where he's won four uh, AFC South championships in the last five years. And nobody's going to fire a winning coach, you know, a coach with that type of track record. But if you listen to what J.J. Watt said the week after he left, after Bill O'Brien was gone, and the, the one statement I'm talking about is when he said, it'll be great now to finally have our fan base behind us again. Because he said, even as a winning team, we knew our fans were not behind us. And in a large part, you know, that was because of B.O.B. That was it. I mean, you, you never saw a situation like that where the Texans would, like you said, would go to the playoffs, win a playoff game, and everybody wants the head coach fired. <laughs> and there was a lot of stuff that went into that. You know yeah, what I mean? Well, yeah. his clock management before he gave up, up his play calling, his clock management wasn't very well. When you trade a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, you're, you're going to be criticized. But I think the statement from well, I think that was very telling. Because he went on, J.J. Watt went on to say, I remember what it was like when we had our fans behind us in full force and how it was so much fun when you knew. Because J.J. is so connected to all this social media stuff. So he's interacting with these people all the time. And he's seeing all that stuff out there. And you know it. You, you do a show. You, you hear it all the time. Everybody was like they wanted Bill O'Brien fired yesterday. And they, they've been feeling like that for the last three years. And he's been winning AFC South championships. And so that's why he's hung around. But it put, I think that was the tipping point, though. Whatever happened out there, I think it was the tipping point. And I don't think, look at it this way, Devin, and I don't think this is like a big secret or anything, but is there anybody, from what I've heard from people, there wasn't anybody in the, in the Texans front office that wasn't yelled at at one time or another by B.O.B. So, you know, sometimes you cannot, you know, you were talking before about having the right personalities to fit the right situations. Maybe he had some success, but the personality was not a good fit. I mean, it wasn't a good fit 
uh, with the fans. And obviously he was rubbing some of the players the wrong way because it wouldn't have blown up like it did. Yeah, I mean, we've seen the entire culture change over there since he's gotten in where they, you don't have as much access. You don't, they're not more forthcoming. They really, really try to control everything that comes out of the organization a whole lot more. It's almost like he tried to create New England South. And I think what happened is not, the. it wasn't that even people hated the the Texans anymore. It, it became more apathetic people were like ah whatever they'll win their game because again if you go on the road and you get that big lead and you can't close the deal then what other better situation will you have to have success in the postseason and i think people felt like okay as long as he's here there's a ceiling and and i think this you know that was the root of the the frustration and the apathy from the fan base well, he was a winning coach, and I think we have to say that. I, I mentioned the four AFC South titles in five years, but you also have to put in the same vein that he benefited from playing in the AFC South. Right, a horrible because division, that, yeah. Yes, that has not been the strongest division at all. And so he benefited from that. So despite himself and despite some of the things that were going on, they would still, whether it was, you know, whatever the record would be, whether it was eight and eight, nine and seven, whatever it would be, they would still manage to get into the playoffs. And it was, it was, it's, it's kind of misleading from the standpoint because they've had some talented players come. I still contend that Hopkins might be the best receiver in, in the NFL. If not, I can't think of anybody I'd rather have than that guy. And I think we saw it in the early games this year, how much Watson missed him. I got Watson on my fantasy team, man. So <laughs> I'm, always, I'm pulling so hard, so it's not even funny, man. Play. So that, the last week's game was so refreshing. I mean, you know, the way we score in our league, he had 44 points. So I was in heaven. I still lost, but I said, okay, now I got a chance to make a run. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, well, I have Lamar Jackson, who you thought, okay, going into the season, he was going to build on um, his success, but he's like the 31st-ranked passer in the NFL. So, yeah, so not having a great year there. But let me get a prediction from you on the Astros before we let you get out of here. Can they come back? Will they come back? Well, I, you know what, Devin, I'm really thinking, I mean, it, as crazy as it sounds, with Garcia pitching tonight, I still think they got a shot on it. I just felt like they just had to break through and once they broke through last night, uh, I just felt like that was going to be a chance to open the door. The key for me today is if they come out, they have to come out and score some runs. And they have to score runs in bunches because you can't figure. Garcia may shock the world. He may shock us all and pitch seven innings, and that'd be great. But you can't count on that. You know, they have to come out and score some runs, get a cushion, put themselves in a situation where they can, you know, put seven or eight runs on the board today and try to make the Rays keep up with them. And, and get a little padding in there for Presley because he, he gave up runs against Oakland and he gave up runs against uh, Tampa. Oh, a, you know, a run last night against Tampa. So, yeah, how's your golf game? Uh, you know what? I'm getting back into it, finally. You know, I had a surgery a couple of years ago that kind of sent me back a little bit and uh, played in a tournament that was a socially distant tournament not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, surprised myself. So I've been taking it slow. I've been trying to get out there once every couple of weeks or so. But we got to go play, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready to go get out there and, and knock it around again. I'm, I'm not swinging all crazy like I used to, man. <laughs> I've slowed it down a lot. Well, I'm still swinging them crazy. I, I'm, and they always tell me, hey, you swing from the wrong side of the box because I'm, I'm a lefty. I'm like uh, Phil Mickelson. So. <laughs> hey, look, uh, next time we'll, we'll talk about some swag football and stuff. Cause yeah, that's getting close. Up in the spring. 
and that's going to be a lot of fun. Hey, man, we certainly appreciate it. How can folks reach you on social media? Social media, I'm at, at Butch Alessandora on everything. My last name, A-L-S-A-N-D-O-R. So look me up. Check appreciate me out on Twitter and Instagram, and uh, I think I'm still on Facebook, too. Yeah, well, hey, man, always appreciate the insight because, again, you've seen the Astros as much as anybody this season, and I always appreciate uh, your uh, insight and your opinions on the team and, and really on anything. You know, we can talk about anything, so we certainly appreciate it. All right, Devin. Jordy, man. I want to thank our guy, Butch Alsander. It's always wonderful catching up with him, and I really appreciate his insight on the Astros and the Rockets and the Texans. Uh, we certainly appreciate having him anytime, and I hope you guys like that as well. Well, you know what time it is. It's time for the Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks with no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. The Lamont Award goes to the player, team, entity, someone in or around the world of sports that we deem to be the big dummy of the episode. Well, if you notice this time out, I didn't do a brand new segment. And usually in a brand new segment, I start to talk about things that are political or in some way social or maybe even I say maybe in some circles controversial. I don't think so. I mean, I think if you are reasonable, you will be of like mind on my stance on a number of issues. But I didn't do that this time. Didn't talk politics this time at all until now. And even in giving this Lamont Award, I didn't set out to give this award because someone didn't agree with me politically or just has a different stance. That's, I, I, I didn't, st it was really going to be about voter ignorance, okay? And, and it still is primarily about voter ignorance. So Cardell Jones, formerly of the Ohio, the Ohio State University and the NFL and the XFL, I man had a fairy tale career at Ohio State, and he did sort of flamed out as a professional. And that's, I mean, hey, look, he got there. Congratulations to him. It's hard enough to get there. Well, he tweeted, and I guess usually these things these days for me start on Twitter. He tweeted. As I continue to educate myself on both candidates and policies, then I'll vote for who I think is the best to lead our country. Now, this is what he says. Now, keep in mind, he tweeted this three days ago. That would have been October the 12th. Where in the hell have you been for the last four years? What have you, where have you been in 2020? Have you not opened a book? Have you not read an article? But now you want to educate yourself? Now you have to question who is the right man for the job? What are you educating yourself on? I'm, I'm trying to understand. What is it that you don't see? Can you count? Can you see the 210,000 people plus? Can you see what one candidate has done or not done for African-Americans? <laughs> or for a candidate who spent $300,000 to stage a publicity stunt by walking out on an NFL game because some of the players kneeled. What do you need to read about that? What do you need to understand? What do you need to process before you make your decision? Didn't Donald Trump say, hey, fire the son of a <laughs> Didn't he go after you guys? Didn't Mike Pence, that's who spent $300,000, flew to a game, knew he was going to walk out on the game just for a publicity stunt? These are the people you have to read up on. They call African country holes. Are these? Are, are, did you not read that? Did you miss that? Did you miss him admitting that he has lied to the public about the the impact of Corona? You're gonna say at this late date on October the 12th 
that you still need to read and educate? Where have you been? I don't know where you've been, but I know what you've been. You've been a big dummy. You big dummy. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so here's my issue. I understand that we are not monolithic. All African-Americans don't vote the same way. They don't have the same financial interests. They don't have the same political interests. I get it. And that's generally okay. But when you don't protect yourself and you have other people out here fighting for you and you're fighting against the people who are fighting for you, that is where I have a problem. Because again, you know about the discrimination. You know about the Central Park Five. Or maybe you don't. But you should. I don't know where you've been that you don't know this. But you cannot say, I would rather you say, hey, I'm do like Herschel Walker. I'm rolling with Trump. He's a good man. Let him wear that black face all the way to the bank. What do, do what you do. But I'd rather you take a side and say you don't know. Because that means you think it's okay not to know. <laughs> you, you sort of justify other people not knowing. It's not okay not to know these days. It's too much on the line. Now, he attended a Pence rally, and he said he was there to support a friend's business or whatever. And I don't, again, this is about you at this point stating, and, and maybe it's true, maybe it's not, but you're stating the fact that as of October the 12th, you are still doing research on the candidates. You don't know anything about the 40 plus years that Biden has been in politics. Nothing. You don't know about the eight years he was the vice president to the only African-American president I mean, what do you need to see? I mean, do do we need? I don't understand. Do we need to give you provide illustration? I, I don't understand. In Ice Cube, same thing. You think, oh, now all of a sudden, I I'm enlightened. I have read a book or I have read an article. I'm gonna call Trump and I'm gonna make a difference. I'm gonna have a contract with black people for Black America. I'm gonna do this. You don't know from Shinola. You step onto the scene late and through your own arrogance, you think somehow you know when we have experts in all sorts of areas pertaining to socioeconomics, to education, uh, housing. They're ex African-American experts in every area. You have organizations like the NAACP, the Urban League. You have people with multiple degrees whose life's work has been to work for some of these policies to help the African-American community. But you think two weeks for the election that somehow ice cube from nwa is gonna show up and now you have the answers i applaud the fact that you guys are waking up and educating yourselves and continue to do so and continue to tell people to continue to educate themselves well with that before i let go before i let go before I let go, hey, want to thank uh, Butch Alsander for joining us. want to thank our sponsor. And by the way, let me say this. The views and opinions of Devin Wade are no reflection on Butch Alsander, uh, Cobank Holmes, or Kalina, or anybody. This is just me talking, and I hope that we take that in the spirit of uh, where it's coming from. But again, want to thank Butch Alsander. want to thank Kalina for Why We Kneel. want to thank Cobank Holmes. want to thank our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. want to thank all of you. want to remind you, go to wadeswordproductions.com, look around, subscribe to the email. Email list 832-941-6614. Call the sports line. Give me your take on my takes or on Butch's takes on why we need any of those things. Any questions, we'll take them. 832-941-6614. And, of course, on social media, on Twitter at Wade's Word and the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group on Facebook. And, as always, remember these 
four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after six o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. <laughs> this has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening. <laughs>